cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for a moment in time, he was separated from the Father and he tasted death for you and he tasted death for me so that when I put my faith in him, I don't have to eternally die. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Jesus holds the keys to three extremely important doors without which we would all be in deep peril. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, Mercy Triumphs. You know, a key may be very small and look insignificant, but without it, a very large door cannot be opened. And that couldn't be more true in the spiritual arena of life. What we're about to explore in today's message as we move toward Easter is that Jesus holds the keys to three doors that must be open for us or we would perish in our sins. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, He Holds the Keys. Let's read these three verses, starting with Matthew 16, 19. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Jesus said to Peter, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, that's one verse. Now, let's go to Revelations 1.18. Here's the resurrected Jesus talking to John the Revelator. And he says, I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Now, one more verse. He's talking to John again about the church in Philadelphia. He says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. And what he opens, read this last part with me because I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. What he opens, no one can shut. Say praise God. God gives you an open door. No one's shutting it. And then read the rest. And what he shuts, no one can open. Amen. Okay, we've just read three scriptures that refer to Jesus having keys. And let me just refresh a bit. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. He said, I'm giving to you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to explain that in a moment. And then we saw that he had the keys to hell and of death. Wow. And then third, we saw the key of David. I'm going to explain to you what the key of David is. And so I'm going to cover those three verses and explain what these keys mean. Because listen, our Savior holds the keys we just read about. And the church needs to understand what they are. Now, keys have only one purpose, and that's to unlock a door. Keys unlock doors. We're all going to use a key today when we go home. We're going to slip a key into a lock and unlock the door. We didn't leave our doors unlocked. I hope you didn't. Um, We locked them. And we lock them knowing I'm going to be able to get back in because I've got a key. And the key is going to unlock 
this door for me. No one else in the city has it. I alone have this key to get into my house. Jesus alone has keys to get into particular doors that mean everything to you and to me. He that is in possession of a key has the power of access to whatever is behind the door they unlock. They not only unlock the door, then they have access to what the door opened up to. They have authority. They have dominion. They have responsibility over the door they open and the place they walk into because they had the key. Now, I'm going to deal with these three scriptures today that tell us about Jesus and the keys that he holds. First, when Jesus said, Simon Peter, and this was after Simon said to him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Simon, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you, Peter, that I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, what did that mean? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Because, Peter, I'm giving you a key to unlock a door. So what did that mean? Clearly, here's what it meant. That Peter would have the keys of the kingdom of heaven meant that he would make him the instrument to initially open the door of faith in Christ to the world. And that would be by way of the gospel. Peter, we see in the Bible, would be the very first man to preach the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles because he gave Peter the key. When you read the Bible, you see that on the day of Pentecost, when you had this massive crowd that were there for this feast, it was Simon Peter that stood up in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and preached the first gospel message. And you can read it in three minutes if you read it out loud. But there were a thousand saved per minute. 3,000 people in a three-minute sermon were saved. We see there that it was Peter who held the key to the kingdom of heaven in that he was the one chosen by God to initially preach the gospel and open the door. And then we find further in the book of Acts that when the Gentile Cornelius invited Peter to his house, Peter was told by God in a vision and a dream, I want you to go with him, and what I have cleansed don't you call common, because Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter went with him, and it says, as Peter was sharing the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell upon a houseload of Gentiles, and Peter again had the key that unlocked the door, that initially opened the door to the Gentile world. And Cornelius' household was saved and baptized. So that's what Jesus meant when he said, Peter, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now I want you to know, since Peter opened the doors, you've got a key in your hand as well. Every time you share the gospel with somebody, you are giving them a key. I want you to say with me, I've got a key. Oh, folks, we've got to understand the Lord, when we got saved, he handed us the key, the key being the gospel. And you can go up to somebody who is lost and share the gospel with them. And if they accept Christ, you have given them the key that opened the door to salvation for their life. We all got a key. And boy, I want that truth to illuminate this church. That when you're out there and you're seeing lost people struggling in sin, overcome by the devil and they don't even know it, you've got in your pocket a key. You've got the key that unlocks the door for them to be set free. Like we just saw, the chains falling off in that video. I love seeing the chains fall off of people when they receive the key that I hand to them, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But then we next come to Jesus' words about himself and the keys that he holds. Now, I want you to notice what he said, I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus identifies himself. He identifies himself by his death and resurrection. He said, John, let me tell you who I am. I am he who lived and then was dead. But now I'm alive forevermore. I was alive as a human being from birth to 33 years old. Then I died on the cross. And then I was raised from the dead to be alive again. And this time forevermore. We are worshiping today a resurrected from the dead Savior. He was as dead as dead can be. But God raised him from the dead. And so Jesus said, I want you to understand who you're talking to, John. I'm the one that was alive and then dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. How many of you are glad for that today? Amen. Amen. Now, he says that following his resurrection from the dead, he held two keys. He names two keys. He says the key to hell and the key of death. Now, let's talk about the key to hell first. I have the key to hell. Now, the word hell in this particular verse is from the Greek word Hades. And it's not to be confused with the lake of fire. I'm going to explain the difference between the two in just a moment. But Hades is not the lake of fire. Hades is different. If you were to read the Greek text, it would read, I hold the key to Hades. To Hades. So well, then what is Hades? Hades refers to what we might call a spiritual underworld. It's the dwelling place of the departed souls of men and women, the region of the dead. We might say that Hades is like a really bad waiting room where those who die without Christ are incarcerated until the day of judgment. Jesus vividly describes this place called Hades. And you know what? People say to me, do you really believe in hell, Pastor Jeff? Jesus did. And Jesus talked about it more than any person in the entire Bible. So I'm not going to risk Jesus being wrong. Because he always opened up his statements with truly, truly, I say to you. That's just an amplified, I'm telling you, the unvarnished truth. And Jesus talked about hell more than anybody in the Bible. He talked about it repeatedly, and he described it. In a parable about a rich man who died and went to Hades, he describes what the rich man encountered. He dies and he awakes in Hades, where the Bible says he was in torment. I'm just reading the Bible. Jesus said he wakes and he's in torment. Now, we see several things about this man when he's in Hades. We see that he's conscious. He's aware of everything. He's totally aware of his surroundings. The Bible says he's able to feel. He's able to suffer. He's able to experience regret. We see him regretting his life while he's in Hades. He regrets that he did not serve God. He regrets his life, that he wasn't rich toward God. He has the capacity in Jesus' parable to look up and see 
Abraham far away in paradise. He sees Abraham in glory. It could be that one of the torments of hell is that you can see into glory and see what you missed. He's able to communicate. And you know what he does? He begs for somebody to dip their finger in water and cool his tongue. Jesus said that hell is the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. And I didn't read that out of Greek mythology or Roman mythology. I read this out of the Bible. And then this rich man is also seized with a great concern for his living relatives who have not yet died and wishes he could somehow warn them of this awful place, but he can't. Because once you're there, you're there. You can't get out. You can't reincarnate. You will never return. That's the message that Jesus gave us. It's too late for this man. Now when Judgment Day finally comes, John the Revelator writes this about Hades. In Revelations 20, verse 13, he says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Did you catch that? Death and Hades spew up before the judgment seat the dead that are in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. I've told you repeatedly over and over in this church that there's two ways to deal with your sin. You can let it be dealt with on the cross or you will answer for it. It's that simple. That's the message of the gospel. I know that's heavy stuff, but let me tell you, that's what Jesus said, and that's what the Bible teaches. Because sin must receive God's justice and judgment. And so you can let Jesus be judged in your place and put your faith in Him, or you can reject Christ, but when you go to the judgment seat, when Hades gives you up and you go before the judgment seat, you will answer for the things you have done. So on judgment day, multitudes of lost souls that have been held in Hades will be given up to face God in judgment. And it's only after this sobering day of judgment that men are cast into the lake of fire. Did you know that right now there's not one thing in the lake of fire? The lake of fire is there, but not one thing has been cast into the lake of fire yet. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be the first ones to break open the lake of fire. But then listen to what the Bible says. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Only then are people sent to the lake of fire. But until then, when a lost person dies, they go into a place called Hades. The good news is, and I have good news, Jesus said, I hold the key to that place. Amen. I hold the key to that place. Either to put someone in it, or here's the good news, to keep someone out of it. I hold the key. To hold the key to Hades means that Jesus has power over the invisible world of devils and demons and power over the eternal fate of people. Oh, folks, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're rich or poor, black or white. I don't care if you're of high pedigree or you were born in poverty. It doesn't really matter. Every man, every woman, everybody of the age of accountability, when you die, you are going to be resurrected. You're either going to be resurrected to life or resurrected to judgment, but you're going to be resurrected. Every single human being that's ever lived is going to be resurrected one day. Amen. This is the message of the Bible. 
This is what the Bible clearly teaches. This is why even demon spirits prayed to Jesus that he would not cast them into the bottomless pit because he had the key. It says in Luke 8.31, the demons kept begging Jesus. That means they were praying, begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit, the abyss. The dominion over this dark underworld has been entrusted to him. He holds the key. Now, he said, I have another key, the key of death, the key of death. Now, you know that death has been the ultimate boogeyman for the human race since Adam and Eve, death. Just recently, I've read several news stories. They just happened to be in the news, and I couldn't believe it, but about scientists who are in hot pursuit of a cure for aging. Let me read one headline to you. I couldn't believe this. sounds like a gospel message. Here's the headline. Who wants to live forever? I could preach that. I could steal that and make a sermon title out of that. Who wants to live forever? Well, everybody say amen. I do. But they're not talking about coming by way of Jesus. Let me just read to you just a little bit of this article. A biomedical gerontologist, I never knew that that existed, but there is a biomedical gerontologist and chief scientist of a foundation dedicated to longevity research, reckons that within his own lifetime, doctors could have all the tools they need to cure aging, banishing diseases that come with it, listen to this, and extending life indefinitely. You know what he's talking about here? Eternal life. Let me just tell you, I'm not a scientist, but I want to assure you that won't happen. They won't find it. It's not there. It shows how men want to live forever. I wish I could meet this scientist and say, I can save you a lot of time and money. Because eternal life is only found one way. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have, say it with me, everlasting life. What they're looking for and spending money to find, Jesus said, I'm going to give it to you. If you believe in me, you will have everlasting life. But why this desperate search for eternal life? Why these scientists, why are they digging their heels in and saying, I'm going to find medically, scientifically, I'm going to find a cure for dying. Here's why. Because death is frightening. It's dark. It's mysterious. It's the leap into the great unknown. And people avoid it at all costs. Most people will do anything not to die. Hebrews describes mankind's ages-long fear of death. Listen to this, Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. Since we, God's children, are human beings made of flesh and blood, He, that is Jesus, became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human being could He die and in dying, listen to this, in his dying, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but I have thought of this, and I would wager I'm probably right. I think many of the fears, the phobias that grip people have their root in the fear of death. I think there is a fear of death among men and women and young people. The Message Bible puts it this way. By embracing death, taking it into himself, 
He, that is Jesus, destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life scared to death of death. This is telling us that when man fell into sin, death came into the human race. That's what Romans says. Death came into the human race. Sin brought death. Death came by sin. And sin passed on to all men. So all men began to die. It's telling us that when Jesus rose from the dead, he snatched that key away from the devil. And now he holds the key to death. The Bible teaches that it was through his own death and resurrection that Jesus thoroughly defeated death because he defeated Satan who had the power of death. Boy, I love that. On the cross, Jesus destroyed the primary tool the devil had against mankind, and that was death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Now, since Jesus personally conquered death, he has the power to call the dead out of the grave. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to say that again. Are you ready? Because Jesus conquered death, he has the power to call you, to call me, to call those who have died believing in him out of the grave. The good news that I'm bringing to you today and the word of God brings to us is that because death could not hold him, those who believe in him cannot be held by death. The Bible says by God's grace, he, Jesus, fully experienced death in every person's place. He died in my stead. The Bible says when he was on the cross, hanging there, he tasted death. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried out. Why would Jesus, who was the very Son of God, cry out such a thing? Because for a moment in time, he was separated from the Father, and he tasted death for you, and he tasted death for me, so that when I put my faith in him, I don't have to eternally die. He tasted death for every man. And you know, when I read the book of Acts, I see that this was the message The apostles preached everywhere they went. If you had heard a message from Peter or Paul or James or John, you would have heard them talk about this thing called resurrection. Well, thank God that Jesus holds the keys we need to enter into heaven to enjoy eternal life. What powerful truth we've seen from God's Word today. I trust you've been blessed and that your understanding of what Easter is all about has grown through our study. Now stay tuned for our announcers as they will be sharing some things you'll want to know regarding Life Talk and what is available to you, our Life Talk listener. And be sure to tune in next time for part two of the message, He Holds the Keys. you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. 
These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111, or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. He Holds the Keys is the third message of Pastor Jeff's series, Mercy Triumphs. You can own a copy of this four CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to LiveTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Mercy Triumphs, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.